what is up humans of the internet watching our stuff thank you we appreciate it uh welcome to another episode of studio insights with victoria hannah and myself kim we are bell vista studios and this is our chat where we allow development time to learn from each other ask each other questions so my question kick off the show is for either of you um i'm just wondering what tips do you have for anyone that might be doubting themselves in their like skills or their what they're trying to achieve as a practitioner i would think maybe like talking to people about it helps like i've found whenever i have been feeling that way it's always helped when I have a conversation with both of you about like what's going on for me and why I'm feeling like that. Um, Cause I think it's a good way to get, like it always, it's, you always receive something different. Like it could just be like a bit of reassurance in completing a task that you need or um, like other people can help you get on the right track. If you're, I don't know, doubting something you're designing. So like they can help you think of other ways you could do it or mm -hmm. if it, like a personal thing I find just like chatting about it in general helps and you can like share like it helps to hear what other people are struggling with as well I think and how they're like coping with it you can get ideas that way um yeah I think for me the main thing is just like sharing it with someone else <laughs> and getting like whatever kind like whatever the relevant feedback is I guess from them that you need yeah. I think the main way I would deal with it how do you start that conversation like uh, are you at a kind of desperate part a point where you would reach out and seek that or do you just have like a a little lull and then you would seek it first of all yeah I guess it depends on the context again like if it's doubt within like the work I'm doing or if it's just doubt in general about my own personal stuff um I think for us it does usually come up quite naturally because we do have a lot of like catch-ups and check-ins and that kind of thing like we do create that space where we can bring that kind of thing up mm, um, yeah. so I find it quite easy to just talk like whether it is in our like designated catch-up times or just randomly throughout the day I find that it's like a good like safe <laughs> space to for me to talk about that usually but I'm trying to think if people don't have that like if I didn't have that if I would always bring it up I don't know if I would at work I think it would be more of like a friend thing maybe we're <laughs> <laughs> your acquaintances <laughs> but I just mean like I don't know if I would have always felt comfortable talking about it with my boss like I think it does depend on what your work culture is agreed and if I wasn't comfortable talking to my boss about something I'm struggling with at work or personally like it would would be my friends or family I would go to yeah and would you yeah would you say this like this is going on help me kind of thing or you know how would you initiate that conversation whether it's with a colleague or your boss or a family member well yeah I think I usually am quite upfront with it it might initially start as like a bit of a vent or something like if I'm 
not that that sounds good either, but if I'm like kind of complaining about something that usually means I've got like negative feelings attached to it, but it's not always to do with like whatever that task is. It's like how I'm feeling about it, which is sometimes I'm feeling that way because I'm doubting myself. Mm. So, so that, yeah. That's <laughs> something I'd love to explore a little bit deeper because what I'm hearing you say is you've got doubt and I guess you've branched it down to two things where it's like your mind and then reality. Mm. So have you got any tips on how you check in on like, I, like, I guess it, something common that would probably go through people's heads is like, Oh, I'm so shit at blah. Right. Mm. But are you actually shit at that? Or is stuff in life just making you feel a bit down at the moment? And it's not actually that you're shit at that thing but yeah. it's just like your, your situation or how you're, you're in a funk or whatever. So how, any tips for how to distinguish about like, this is reality and yeah. this is my mind when it comes so, to doubt. Well, I think you've helped a lot with that because whenever Hannah and I, Hannah or I say something negative or like we're doubting ourselves, <laughs> like what we're basing that on. And usually we have nothing, like <laughs> we have no evidence of it. <laughs> So to me, it is like if you haven't, I don't know, received like negative feedback or I don't know, something like physical or tangible kind of thing, like, mm. you know, then straight away it is just in your head. Like it is just a feeling that you have, which is still something you need to deal with, but it's, it does help me like think about it differently because mm. I am like, I literally have no reason to think this. Like I have just fully made up this whole thing in my head. Mm. <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, the question to ask there is what evidence do I have to support this? Yeah. And that helps you kind of shift your frame of mind around it. Yeah. That's cool. Any other things like that? No, I think that is probably the main one for me because that is like the logical thing. And I usually mm -hmm. am a logical thinker, but not when it comes to that sometimes. <laughs> so that is like, that is like the simplest way to put it, I think. Yeah. Like what and it's if the answer is nothing then like <laughs> yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah and I Stop. guess so your main thing oh sorry you were going to say something else there oh no I wasn't <laughs> <laughs> computer glitch um what I'm hearing then is that you know sometimes it is worthwhile just speaking to others to get that kind of um reinforcement that you're doing okay and that your perspective is not the reality and just get that kind of support around you through feedback or um insights or perspectives that help they're almost like your stabilizers when you're not able to do it for yourself and that's yeah. why you reach out and have those conversations and then that kind of gets you in the, the momentum of getting back to that place of not doubting yourself as much or a little bit less until you're able to clear up that belief system again. Exactly. That's cool. Thanks. Anna, do you have any? Um, I think it was really good what Victoria said and I'm, I agree with what Victoria was saying. So I think like the first thing is the evidencing. So what evidence do I have to support that? And if there is no evidence, it is like a mental thing that you need to deal with. But if there is evidence where you realise, okay, there is evidence showing that I need to make a difference. There are things you can do so you can reach out to people for support. 
you can look on the internet, like there's YouTube videos you can watch. So I know if I'm not confident in something, finding videos of people who do it really well and learning from them like helps me fill the gap. Um, I think the other thing that's helped me is, is like seeing what we do more as a journey. So like enjoying the process rather than expecting perfection all the time. Like part of your journey is getting things wrong and having like failing sometimes and that's okay. Mm. And if you're not confident in something, like it shows that you have the awareness of that and that you're going to start working towards getting better. And I think if you can see it as like a journey and a process and enjoy what you do, it puts less pressure on yourself to have to be perfect at every single thing that you do. So I think that's good. And then also like we're really lucky to have a culture of openness. So I think that has a big impact. So maybe for like leaders out there or even people in teams, like by being open around the struggles that you have and what you find difficult or want to be better at gives other people permission to do the same thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, like Victoria said, I know not every workplace has that, <laughs> which makes it a bit hard for people. But I think if that culture of openness can be created, it makes it a lot easier. Okay, so what specific things should an individual do to create an open culture? Because it's, it's things start with one action and that one action leads to more actions in the right direction and one person can impact those around. So what specific things could an individual do to create openness and open culture or trusting culture? Well, I think like role modeling is a big part of it. So like if you're a leader or a team member, if you are having a problem, like openly sharing that with the team, whether it's in a team meeting or, and I think especially leaders, like if they share that they have challenges with things and they're not perfect and everything, then it gives other people permission to do the same thing and share like how they feel if they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just expand on that a little bit like in terms of you say leaders it's interesting because I'm kind of thinking about like a leader is any person it's not a person in a hierarchical structure that's yeah. a supervisor right or a manager whatever role title you want to give them that leads a team so everyone is a leader so it doesn't matter if you sit under someone everyone sits under something you know, like whether that's a client or a stakeholder, but each individual has the power to become a leader or to be the leader in situations. So step up and do that. Don't wait for someone else. And then, yes, there is the aspect of as someone that supervises other staff, role model the behaviors that Hannah has said, I'm yeah. finding this challenging, help me. And that is role modeling the behavior so that if your team are in the similar situation they will feel comfortable to do the same as well yeah definitely i think another thing is potentially like when we think about systems thinking like the different components that interact with each other to create cultures like thinking about like performance reviews like what does a performance review form look like and what's like the structure of the conversations that happen and if people like do have challenges and speak up 
about that? Is that going to result in them like being punished in some way through the way that the organization is set up? So that could be another thing to consider as well. Can you be a bit more specific to help me understand better, please? Like, for example, if it's on someone's role statement that they need to know how to do something mm. in their performance review, like they need to prove that they were able to do that throughout the year. If someone's not able to do that, they might be like scared to speak up in case like it impacts the way that their performance review goes. And that could impact whether they ever get a promotion or whether they're going to stay in their job or that's probably as much as I can expand, like expand on it. But mm. I think there are sometimes like organizations are set up in ways that don't enable people to be open. Mm -hmm. Challenges. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think what you said was really interesting. I'd love to, hopefully you're able to like, communicate the sort of shift that you've had in yourself but I really loved how you were saying knowing that I'm on a journey like yeah. I think that and that permission to go I'm going to fail and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm not perfect and I can try just try my best right yeah how did you get how did you get to that way of being I like, think, is there, oh, yeah, you go. Well, for me personally, like, it was just the people around me, the influence of, so, like, hearing you talk about it, other people in the industry I've spoken to about it, like, John Hinchliffe, we've spoken about it, watching, like, Christo videos, listening to Gary Vaynerchuk, like, they've sort of spoken about it, and I think it's just over time, like, it makes sense. Mm. And I can, like, before it was just, like, being told, but I can, like, feel it, and it's, like, real for me now. So I guess just, like... Like, you know how you, they say, like, the five people that are closest to you, like, yeah, impact you really that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, listening to people that are positive around that sort of thing and are, like, thought leaders because they can, like, really help you change your mindset. Mm. I think that's a really good point, actually, is, like, when you're trying to learn something new or if you're feeling a certain way, if you surround and flood your environment with the the aspirations you have for yourself or the way that you want to show up as a human it becomes contagious so you talk about those people that are role models in your life and you flood yourself with them speaking about life is just a process it's a journey like you're never going to be perfect all this kind of stuff then that does become your mentality just like if you probably look at your friends maybe you have similar interests and things like that so we start we kind of mold our lives around what we are surrounded by. So if you're lacking or unhappy in some aspect of your life or your skills or doubting yourself, it's about going and finding those people that are role modeling the behaviors and the mindset that you want for yourself, flooding it, and it will basically seep its way into your way of thinking and being. Yeah, love it. That's really cool. Thank you. That was really valuable. I appreciate it. No worries. Who wants to go next? Um, I can go next. <laughs> what do you got? Or Hannah. Um, so 
she's just kind of finished working on a project this week like the final handover and everything is happening soon um and she's made a few comments about like how well it's gone and like how confident she feels in like how the process went because she has yeah she's still kind of like I guess learning the whole project management side of things um so I just wanted to find out from her like what why she thinks this one did go so well and like what she's learned that could help her and me when I maybe eventually start doing that with future projects like what about the process was different that way um I think well the first thing is that planning template I think like I'm finally realizing Kim that it is so good so before I felt like with projects like I was holding a lot in my head and there's always like, I feel like with every project, there's so many different components. Like you have to, like the client said something in review round one that impacts something on, in the final review round. And in the past, I was like, oh my God, there's just like so much to remember. And it would just get overwhelming and I'd forget things. But through that planning template, I've been like, every time I do a task, I list out like all the decisions I'm making, anything that the client said that I know will impact the project later on in the process. And then, so when I do the next task, I, I can look back on the task before and be like, okay, what's relevant? Because I've sort of highlighted from that task that's going to impact this task. And so I feel like just the way it was like organised, I feel much more clear around what needed to happen and more confident in like completing tasks and knowing that the client was going to get what they expected and wanted. It was like a really big part of it. Um... That planning thing as well we spoke about in a couple of episodes ago, so people go check it out. Yeah, um, another Studio Insights conversation around that. Definitely. And I think like our, like being really clear on client expectations, I've noticed like our email templates are really, really good. So like being really clear with the client on like, this is what exactly what you need to do and this is when it's due by. And if you can't get it done by then, this is how it impacts the project. So I think like I'm starting to understand like how good those email templates are and help us like be really clear with clients on what's expected of them. And we like have been making it better and better each time. So we think about, okay, like let's add this this time because the client got confused about this. So I feel like it's evolved to a place where the client like knows what they need to do. Um, and I think it's just like practice. Like I used to get really stressed if the client didn't get things back on time. This client was amazing as well. That was like a big part of it. I feel like they were like really, I don't, this, I heard this from Kim because Kim's been the one who's been like interacting with the client, but from what she's told me, like they just put so much effort into like getting it right from their end and were like really took their job like really seriously. So I think that was like really nice. Not saying that like not all clients do that, but it was just like, they were like, they wanted to get it really, they wanted to do it really well. Um, so that was really nice. Um, and yeah, just practice. Like when clients wouldn't get back things back on time, I used to get so overwhelmed and be like, I can't figure out what to do. And, but now like, I think I'm learning to like, just use the planning template. <laughs> figure out like what's what are the options we have to like keep the project on track or is it not possible to keep the project on track looking at the risks looking at any assumptions that I'm making and I think like using that template for decisions like that when things don't go to plan has been like really really useful mm. 
So I think that would be the top thing, like using the, the planning template, being really clear on client expectations and listing out like all of your decisions. Like I've learned, like I used to not do this. Like if you're working on a storyboard or something and something pops in your head where you're like, oh, like I've noticed that that's capitalized and that's not. I used to sort of keep going and then be like, I'll, like I'll put it in the handover at the end. But now I'm like very clear every single little thing. I like write it down in my planning document so I know it's not in my head, it's all like out on paper. And I have a clear mind and then I can go back at the end. And for my handover, I go through every item and make sure it, if it needs to be actioned, something's done. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that would be my like review of how that project went. But yeah, it was really, I feel really happy about that project. That's cool. I kind of have a follow-up question for that, if that's okay. <laughs> it could be both of you though, because Kim, you might have more insight particularly. Um, but Hannah, with what you were saying about how the client was really good and like you can tell they'd put a lot of effort in, do you think there is a way we could influence clients differently so that they all <laughs> are like that or like more closer to that than like maybe some of the not as amazing clients <laughs> we've dealt with? Which we don't have. No. <laughs> <laughs> They just all like work very differently. And I feel like, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what was your perspective, Kim, when you said like, cause every time stuff came to us, we were like, it's so good and it's in such a good place. Like there was minimal review comments. They knew exactly what was going on. Like, what is that? How did that happen? <laughs> I think it's actually a reflection of So everything that happens is at the end of the day, I am accountable and responsible for it, right? So although you project manage that, ultimately I'm accountable for it. And I make decisions around, you might say, Kim, the client is saying um, they want to make this change. Is it in scope or not? And sometimes I go, just do it, right? And I think that's where I have led us down for challenge more challenging clients than this one which was such a breeze yeah. is that we have expectations and we clarify those expectations what hannah's talking about with the email templates you know this is your responsibility client we need you to give us feedback on this this is your actions this is when your feedback is due so our project management and our processes are really refined and worked now where we fall down is when I let those boundaries slip. I allow people to get away with something outside of our processes and systems. And then I forget they're in there that like we've made them that way for a reason because they've caused us some sort of pain in the past. And for some reason I'm feeling like, just make the change, like it's helpful, whatever. And that causes us more pain. So where I have been too, um, what do you call it? Like, I'll just say chilled. I can't think of the word, but like where I've been too chilled on the, the boundaries and the expectations with clients and allowed them to um, miss a deadline or something like that has caused us a lot of pain on our end. And over time, then they lose respect for those boundaries and those expectations and they don't do them. Whereas this was a new client where 
I've gone through that pain. We have gone through that pain of my being too chilled. And then we've created this expectation that our rules and our systems and our processes are not to, their, to be respected by a particular client. And then it's caused us pain. So then with this new client, it was like, no, the expectations again are being reset. They must be followed. And yeah. so this client has, this is the first time we're working together. We communicate. These are our expectations. They know that we're communicating and we're serious about them because of the way that we've done it. So I think it's to do with that. And so now what I'm having to do is like have conversations with clients around, look, I know we would allow that to happen this late in the project, or we wouldn't make that change in the past, but we can't do that anymore. And I'm, I feel like ugh, doing it, I'm saying this is going to cost you more. This is going to push out the schedule if you want to make that because I'm having to reset boundaries and reset expectations. Um, but it is for the reason it needs to happen is because it makes everyone's life easier by allowing those expectations to slip has caused pain and uh, yeah, pain, whatever that looks like. Yeah for the other people as well. So I think it's really clear, like if you think about what Hannah's been talking about is to have, take the time to get your systems and processes in place and mm -hmm. trust that process because they work and you've done them and you continuously improve them. You've done them because they work and you've learned from mistakes in the past that you don't want them to happen again. Um, and then it's just about doing them. Make sure that you stick to that because it helps not only you as a practitioner or your business or your organization, but it helps the stakeholders that you're working with as well in their world. It makes everyone's life easier. Yeah. I like that. Um, can I just ask Hannah on your... So it's really like lovely actually to watch. If you watch a few episodes ago, we're having the conversation with Hannah, like plan your tasks. You know, this is your template. What's the problem that you're trying to solve? What's your goal? These are all the tasks. What are your uh, challenges, assumptions? What are the risks? And now she's been experimenting. If we think about, we had learning conversations. How do you learn? She's in her experimentation phase. And now she's in the reflection, she's getting the results. So it's really lovely to see that play out. And in, in the beginning, you're like a little bit resistant, untrusting, all this, trying to work it out for yourself, which is fine because that's like the learning process. Yeah. Um, but it, now it sounds like you're like planning is epic. <laughs> but yeah. we don't do enough planning as um, practitioners. I just wanted to ask you, for a one hour task, how long would you spend planning? Um, I think it'd only be like five to 10 minutes at the beginning, but I've noticed like with the planning document, I use it as well as like things pop up as you go along. Like you can't always mm -hmm. everything that's gonna show up. So maybe like five to 10 minutes to do like a rough, these are the tasks that I need to complete. I'm filling out the template. Yeah. Then it's like, as I'm working, like I fill it in and don't give it too much thought. I just like type it out, put it in there. So it's out of my mind and I continue on. Mm -hmm. And it really depends on the task, but it's just about like going through each point and being like, what do I need to do at that point? And then crossing it off. Yeah. And so that, how much time do you think it saves you overall 
if you're spending just say 10 minutes at the beginning, you do an hour task and then, I don't know, the, the rest of the project plays out and whatever has not planning versus not planning, how much has it benefited you in time and effort and quality results, would you say? Definitely like quality of results is a top thing for me. Like I feel like there's like less errors happening and I feel more confident handing it over. Mm. Uh, less stress, hundred percent less stress. Cause I'm not like my brain's not like cluttered with all this stuff. And like you were saying, Victoria, in another episode, like you're thinking, did I do that? I'm not sure if I did this. Like when you finish work and you're worried you've missed something. Whereas mm. now it's like I've done it to the best of my ability. With timing, I don't really know yet, to be honest. I feel like I'm, it could be similar. Well, I've all, yeah, I'm sticking to the time limits that we've set. Yeah. Or being, actually, I have been a little bit under in the, the last project, but I'm not sure if that's other, because of other reasons as well. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure on the timing yet. Yeah, that's probably something actually that you wouldn't really have insight into. That's probably more what I would see insight into, but I could say that we are, making less mistakes so things are there's less fixes to be made tasks are being done in in the time allocation or in less time so I am seeing significant change in that in terms of efficiencies cool yeah. all right thank you uh Vic are you satisfied with your question being answered anything else on that um I don't think so. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> yeah, you know where she is. <laughs> Hannah, your question, girl. Okay, so my question is for both of you. Um, what skill did you learn in 2020 that added the most value to your life as a learning designer and why? <laughs> I, um, for me, I'm trying, I don't know which one of it is, but they're, they're linked. So, and it's in that, um, our 2021 things as well, if people want more detail, but it's either solving the right problem. Mm. And the other thing that's coming to mind is asking effective questions. So I guess it, it is the problem first and then the questions help me solve the right problem so going am I I think the first thing is am I actually solving a problem that needs to be solved by this task or this thing that I'm going to say or this thing that I'm going to do or this thing that I'm thinking what's the problem that I'm trying to solve working that out and I do that by asking questions that help me solve it okay and where how would people know what questions to ask being very clear on the problem that you're facing. So you might need to write it down, like, so that it is like, um, I can't think of it as an example right now, but like, you need to be very clear on the problem that you're solving. And then every question that you ask is like, how am I getting closer to that 
to solving that problem basically questions need to be framed about around that if yeah. you watch any of these studio insights we go into this in multiple different conversations what's the goal where am i currently at and how do i close the gap love it and i see that in play out in life as well not just as an instructional designer but yeah i find it's a life skill that has helped me Mine is kind of similar to Kim's, <laughs> but instead of questions, I think for me it's being more uh, action-focused. So, like, what actions do I need to take to get me from here to where I need to be? Mm. And, again, applies to projects and life in general. Um, and I think a lot of it for me stems from doing the human-centred design course because that whole thing is like come up with the goal at the start, like come up with your success statement. And then every activity you do from there is like, what do I need to do to meet that mm. goal? Um, and it applies to the planning template too. Like you figure out what your goal is at the start and then what is every action I need to take to get there? And like constantly checking in to see, am I achieving this? Like, am I getting closer to that? I think that is it for me rather than like guessing or thinking like, oh, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do this. It's like checking in with every single action and making sure it's the right action to get you closer, which is asking questions sometimes, but other times it's like, just <laughs> do this mm -hmm. sort of <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess sometimes my question is, what do I need to do? <laughs> yeah, it's just the same, like it is instructional design. You, in, you apply instructional design to anything, right? Like what you're describing is a learning objective. What's the learning objective? And then what's the content that I'm going to use to train that to achieve the learning objective? So if that helps people reframe Vic and I's answer, that's essentially what's happening. Yeah. And you can apply it to all aspects of life. Yeah. What's yours, Hannah? Uh, mine's definitely the planning document. So like, I think for me, just like getting things out of my head and onto paper and being like very intentional with the decisions that I'm making and like realizing it's for every single little action, like responding to an email, or like implementing one client feedback comment, like being very intentional and thinking through what's like the best decision to make rather than just being on autopilot and being like, I'll just do this, I'll just do that. So I think that's been the best for me this year. Nice. Well, on that note, I would say, let us know in the comments what yours has been. Um, and this has been another episode of Studio Insights with Bell Vista Studios. Thank you, team. Appreciate the learning and sharing. If anyone, well, it's gonna add value. We know that we just like, we know that this adds value because it adds value to our lives. So there's one individual in the billions of people in the world that will also get value from this as well. Um, but please share it with someone else so that they can help improve their craft and be a better practitioner. And thank you for watching. Until next time, peace out. Bye.